So much of what we know about money we learn at a young age. When I was a kid, like a lot of kids, I had a piggy bank. Now, it wasn't a pig. It was like this cash register thing, and you put in a quarter, a nickel, or a dime, or a penny, and you pulled this lever, and it told you how much money was in the piggy bank. And I used that thing for a long time. And, you know, I was like five, six, seven years old. And at any given time, I would have three or four bucks in there, which was, you know, what year was this? Like 1981, 82. That was a lot of money for a kid if you had three bucks, you know. Um, I did save a lot of coins. I did. And I got up to several dollars in savings. Now, I was taught to save by my parents. I was taught delayed gratification. I don't know what other parents teach their kids, but that's what I was taught. You want to save today for something you might want in the future, except I never wanted anything in the future. So my pile of coins got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, in high school, I started to make some money. Now, I had a couple of jobs. I was a church organist. I was uh, like a construction worker at this thing. But most of my money I made in high school was off of spelling bees. Now, I won two spelling bees. And the prize for these spelling bees was enormous. So I won the spelling bee in 1989, and I won $800. $800. It's a huge amount of money back then. I mean, that would be like 5000 bucks today, you know. So what did I do with it? I just put it in the bank. I didn't spend any of it. None. I didn't spend any of it. And then I won the second year and I won another 800 bucks and I put that in the bank. So by the time I graduated from high school, I had about 2000 bucks in the bank, which was a decent amount of money. Now, at the time, I was getting pretty good at clarinet. Okay, so I was a pretty good clarinet player. And I had a, a cheapo plastic clarinet that I had been using since fourth grade. And I said, well, maybe I'll upgrade the clarinet. So there was a music store, I believe, in Waterbury, and I drove all the way down there, and I bought this phenomenal wooden clarinet with an articulated G-sharp key, this fancy clarinet, for 1200 bucks, which really used up most of my savings. And then I got to college, and I ended up playing drums, and I never played the clarinet ever again. So you know what lesson I learned from that? Don't spend money. Now, I also spent, I had, so I rebuilt my savings and I had about 2,000 bucks and I spent it all on a sick stereo system in college. Uh, got it in Norwich. It was Sony, the, I guess it was like the ES system or whatever. It was like the fancy stuff. Um, it was Infinity speakers, amazing stereo for back then. It was absolutely phenomenal. Then I was pretty much broke. I took out a loan to buy a car in 1995, and part of the loan I used to buy an engagement ring for my girlfriend at the time, which was 2,500 bucks. The story behind the engagement ring is I got screwed, and I got screwed on the engagement ring, and um, <laughs> the salesman told me it was it was like a quarter of a carat and it was SI2 and it was J color. And the, the salesman told me this big story about how it was a $5,000 diamond that I was getting for 2,500 bucks, which was complete horseshit. It was it was really like a $1,000 diamond that I was getting for 2,500 bucks. 
And I actually tried to insure it for $5,000 because that's what he told me it was worth. And I called up the insurance company and I gave him the specs of the diamond. And I said, you know, I want to insure this for $5,000. And they said, Mr. Dillian, insurance fraud is a serious crime. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's worth $5,000. Like I was convinced I got screwed. So, and I, th I thought I knew what I was doing anyway. When I graduated from college, I had 2000 bucks, which was left over from my white card account. So basically, as a cadet, you have this thing called a white card, which is like this little credit card that you get to pay for books and uniforms and supplies and stuff. And if you have any money at the end, then you get to take it home. You get to take it with you. So I had 2000 bucks left over. I moved to Washington State. I used the 2000 bucks for furniture and groceries, and that was pretty much it. So... You know, at the age of 22, I was living in an apartment and I pretty much had no savings. Life was simple back then. It was really simple. And I am at the pinnacle of complexity right now, trying to get a construction loan to buy a house. Have you ever applied for a construction loan before? They stick a flashlight up your ass. I'm in the middle, and I'm also in the middle of trying to restate my taxes because my futures gains weren't being accounted for correctly. So this is adult stuff. This is grown up stuff. Some people call this adulting. Usually people who listen to the chain smokers. Adulting is what we do every day. We have big boy and big girl jobs and we go to work and we make money and we pay bills and we pay taxes and all that kind of stuff. We are adults. Now for a while, there was this thing going around called financial minimalism, where you don't have any bills, you don't have any rent, you live in a van, and your financial life is simple, except you're poor. And that's a trade-off that you make. If you want money, there is no way around it. Your financial life is going to start getting very complex. Elon's, Elon Musk's life is not simple, and he makes it complicated on purpose. But there is no avoiding the complexity. And as things get more complex, your tax return gets more complex. My tax return is about 70 pages. I know people with tax returns that are 700 pages. I know people with tax returns that are bigger than that. You know, I think that's a pretty good approach, actually, because who with the IRS is going to take the time to audit a 700-page return? You know? I remember when I first started working... I filled out the 1040EZ form, which doesn't even exist anymore. You know, there's no more 1040EZ. They don't have it. Everybody fills out the 1040. It's one thing that the government did, screwing over poor people. Again, that with the savings bonds, getting rid of the savings bonds, screwing over poor people. You know, when you're at that stage in your life, all you care about is how big your refund is. You look forward to your refund. I don't get a refund anymore. I get screwed. Every year I get screwed. I have to write a check, a big check, you know. You should not care about how big your refund is. It's a matter of how much is being withheld. If too much is withheld, you're getting a bigger refund. But it's, a, it's the same money. You're just, you're just giving it to the government. You're getting it back later. You're paying the same amount. And people love tax refunds. You know, the whole story about the Trump tax cut back in 2017 was that they updated the tax tables and people had less money withheld, but nobody noticed because it was a small amount of money. Then they got smaller refunds at the end of the year and people thought their taxes went up because they're idiots. I remember when I was 22, my first trip to the grocery store was 45 bucks to the Safeway. 
And I was like, how am I going to afford this? 45 bucks. I'm not sure what you can buy for 45 bucks at the grocery store anymore. We bought Safeway generic brand everything, including the coffee. And the generic brand coffee was actually very good. There's some funny stories about when my wife and I started living together. Um, I was untamed and uh, I used to make coffee in the morning and I would, we had sugar in like a five pound bag. And instead of like getting a spoon, I would take the bag and try to like pour it into the cup and I would just get it everywhere. And I would just leave this shit all over the counter and my wife would get really pissed off. So we used to get in these arguments about the sugar. So finally she just put the sugar in a plastic container that had a little nozzle on it and that solved that problem. We had to, we get an apartment for $350 a month, $350 a month. And it was a great apartment and had this, these big picture windows with a view of the mountains. It was amazing. The downstairs neighbor worked nights at the grocery store. He was a chain smoker. He had a cat. The cat was always pressed up against the window. The cat wanted to get out. We were both gone about half the year. I was at sea. She was on projects. So basically the apartment was like a mailbox, but life was a lot simpler back then. 1996. The internet was around. We had email, but just a couple other websites and that's it. But we were setting ourselves up for success. We were saving and saving and saving. And we saved 60% of our income for those two years. Then we took the money we saved and we used it as a down payment on a house. And then the house almost doubled in two years. One of the greatest personal finance stories of all time. We were 27 years old. We had no debt and $200,000 in the bank. A lot of people say this is harder to achieve today. I disagree. I disagree. Saving and investing always wins in the end. You know, back when I had the radio show, I had a guy call in. He was from Charlotte and he was 26 years old and he had $500,000 in the bank. And the guy just worked all the time. He took all kinds of odd jobs. He even was the garbage man. And he said he liked being the garbage man. He said it was an amazing job. If you are willing to be the garbage man to make a buck, you have a pretty good future in this world. Thanks for listening to the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.